Hello, and welcome to the Embrace Meaningful Personalization to Maximize Growth Conversations, a Deloitte Digital podcast series about the state of experience personalization today. I'm Leila Shaw Crawford, Managing Director at Deloitte Digital, leading our data science, analytics, and personalization offering. And today I'm joined by David Geisinger, Managing Director at Deloitte Digital, and our industry's go-to-market lead for experience management. Hi, David. Welcome. Hey, Leila. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks. Well, today we wanted to talk about how companies are personalizing at scale using AI, ML, testing, and other techniques to effectively create messaging that's authentic and meaningful to their consumers. So to start us off, I thought we could talk a little bit about some of our recent Deloitte Digital research. We surveyed several hundred leaders who lead personalization efforts for their companies, as well as hundreds of consumers of those types of brands. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, there's a significant benefit to companies who personalize well, both in terms of the bottom line and customer engagement. We found that leaders who are effectively utilizing personalization were nearly twice as likely to have exceeded revenue goals compared to those brands with lower personalization capabilities. Does any of that surprise you? You know, truthfully, no, it doesn't. I mean, the fact is, is I'm a data person at heart and, and always love to, to see research that proves out a, a hypothesis. And the fact is, the numbers speak for themselves, right? I mean, we see this with, with clients across industries all the time. And as consumers uh, ourselves, you know, we understand that personalizing customer experiences uh, really does pay off. It pays off both from a short-term perspective in terms of immediate satisfaction, but it also has tremendous long-term impact as well from lifetime value to evangelism, the social aspect in terms of, of getting other people to engage with, with a brand as well. But it's not something that you, know, you can just do overnight, right? You have to think about it and, and be thoughtful about how you approach it. You have to invest in it correctly and scale in a way that takes into consideration not only the, the organization behind the personalization, but the customer as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the most challenging part is, you know, once you figure out what that definition of personalization is and it's meaningful and authentic for your brand and, and how you engage, it's really how do you start to do that in mass and at scale to enable those one-on-one right. -on -one dialogues? And working with a lot of our clients, we've seen that investments in machine learning and customer decisioning, experimentation are becoming increasingly more critical for that and determining which messages do resonate most with consumers and which ones are going to continue having them come back and return and then continuously tuning. Yeah, so true. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. And the fact is, is we've been talking about one-to-one -one communications for, for over 30 years. And so you ask what's changed. And, and the fact what's changed is, is one, you know, organizations have plenty of data about their customers. Right. It, I don't think many organizations lack in terms of the amount of data they have available uh, where they struggle and where they, they start to struggle first is in that organization of, of data and being able to effectively have that you know, traditional or proverbial 360 degree view of the consumer in order to to make better decisions. So you talked about AI and ML. 
one of the big things that's changed in, in the last decade, let alone the last 30 years, has been that computing power has increased tremendously and the cost of computing has decreased. And so now what used to be cheaper or, and in some cases easier to do manually can now be done much more effectively, both from an efficiency perspective as well from a cost perspective using machines. Add to that the amount of data you know, AI and ML has really advanced what organizations across industries can do in terms of, of driving that personalization. Add the number of channels to the mix. Right, 30 years ago, predominantly physical, direct mail, telephone. 20 years ago, add email to the mix. Now you add social, mm-hmm. internet of things, all of these other devices. It just becomes so much more difficult. And so relying on AI and ML combined with human computing to to drive those things like next best message, next best action, and personalized content in a meaningful way has just become even more powerful and important. Yeah, it's it's funny because in a recent conversation, one of these podcasts, when he was saying that some brands might argue they never have enough data. But, you know, building that 360, becoming increasingly more prevalent, a lot of companies have that. I mean, depending on where one might be on their journey, what would you recommend, you know, as a starting point? Yeah, you know, I I think we always talk about capabilities as as something that organizations tend to to look at first. But the reality is, is, you know, capabilities are the means that justify the ends. And and I think the best place to, to start is what are the outcomes that you're looking to drive? Are you looking to drive greater acquisition, greater retention, longer lifetime value, more evangelism of your products, of your services, of your offering, a share of wallet. What are the outcomes that are most important to the business? And from there, understanding that the capabilities that that are needed to deliver on that. So to your point about never having enough data or organizations feeling like they don't have enough data, a lot of times that happens because data is siloed and it's less about is it available and more is it organized. That said, there are still organizations out there that, that could do a better job in terms of, of, of acquiring the data, collecting the data, whether that be first party or third party to, to drive better interactions and more personalized experiences. So once you have that foundation of data, then you can really start to derive the insights from that and use analytics to, to determine what are the things that have a higher propensity to impact a, a consumer's behaviors, again, mm-hmm. through the full life cycle, whether it be acquisition, retention, engagement, et cetera. But starting with that data, but you can't forget the message either, right? So the truth is, is this is a whole is greater than the sum of its parts type of story that data on its own, analytics on its own, content, creative messaging on its own, uh, won't impact the experience to the level where if you combine all of them. And so it's not really one of those things where you can start in only one place. You have to be looking at the, all the components collectively. But if you if you start with the outcome that you're looking to drive from a business perspective, that will allow you to align on the capabilities and then more importantly, assess where you are as it relates to the maturity of those capabilities from the get-go. Yeah. And as our industries go to market lead, I mean, when you're talking to companies, especially those that you feel are are doing this well, what are some of those stories or those outcomes that you've seen? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I have a unique perspective because I do have the opportunity to to work across multiple industries and sectors. So I have the opportunity to see clients in, in life sciences, in consumer, in travel, in financial services, in energy, in healthcare. And going back to sort of the, the commonality is that Everyone has a few things in common. And one is is everyone does recognize that personalized experiences yield better results. They yield better results both from a customer satisfaction perspective as well as from a, a sales and engagement perspective. Now, where they start to differ is whether those organizations, again, going back to what I just said previously, tend to focus more on the acquisition side, the retention and engagement side. And that depends in large part where, where these organizations are in their journey. So, for example, a, a retail organization who's been in business for decades may be more focused around cross-selling and upselling their customer base on the latest fall fashions that have come out to their existing clientele. So in that case, taking much more of a retention and engagement perspective and, and looking at previous shopping history, looking at the sort of more collaborative filtering in terms of, of what people have bought and what likely products or apparel mm-hmm. or, or accessories they're going to buy next versus a med tech client who may be more interested in getting market share and penetration, getting their product to market, where they're more interested in generating interest in this new med tech device that's going to be, you know, help the, those, those patients live their best lives every single day. And it'll grow that relationship and, and experience over time, but really trying to connect with individuals who are, are going through a difficult time in their life where they may have, have just been diagnosed with something life altering that they have to go through an education process. And as someone who's gone through that myself, you want to be talked to in a way that, that you feel like you're, you're known and that they understand and empathize with your condition. So in all cases, Again, these organizations sort of start with that use case in mind, whether it's top of the funnel, if you will, or beyond the funnel. And as consumers, a lot of our expectations in the real world have been changed through our day-to-day with organizations like Amazon and others, where we expect to be able to get something on our doorstep in 24 hours. Those types of relationships, experiences now permeate all aspects. You know, I expect my healthcare provider to be able to get on a virtual call in 24 hours and, and have all my history and personalize that experience to me. I expect my travel coordinator or airline to understand what seat preferences, what meal preferences, what travel destinations I'm interested in in order to effectively market. So you know, in many cases, uh, best in class are, are shaping the way we engage across across all industries. Yeah, and I want to go back to something you said quickly about just especially in the the life science healthcare space. I think it's so important to understand an individual and what they're going through, not just selling devices or selling pharmaceuticals. Right. And what are some of the things that you're seeing with brands in terms of making that connection, taking those decisions, taking that that information and actually turning it into personalized messages that are meaningful. You know, and there is a a tale of two cities here, as I mentioned before, in terms of the technology and the messaging. So if you bundle the the data and the analytics side into the technology side, if you will, and you, you bundle messaging content creative into the orchestration side, 
what we're seeing, especially in, in life sciences, med tech, healthcare, is the continued challenge where organizations may end up resolving the, the data and the analytics side where they end up running into a little bit of a bottleneck once in a while is on the content messaging and creative side, which is not unexpected given the regulatory and compliant nature of those businesses and the fact that in many cases, in most cases, you need to conduct a medical legal review of content before it can be approved. And so you run into a situation where you've now optimized from a technology perspective for essentially a segment of one or one-to-one marketing world, yet your messaging, your content, your creative starts to pull you back up to a larger segment. And what we found to be helpful is when organizations start to take a more of a foundry, a digital foundry or content factory approach to, to content where you aren't necessarily redeveloping entire pieces of content but you are dynamically creating blocks or templates of content that allow you to adjust certain components. Now, I'm not talking about simply changing it from Dear David to Dear <laughs> Leela, right? Old school personalization <laughs> circa you know, 1995. What I am talking about is being able to do creative asset more dynamically to be able to personalize larger blocks of content that takes into account previous interaction history, purchases, recent information relative to condition. So using profile and analytics to do that, while at the same time enabling a more rapid approach to going through the the, the medical legal review. Yeah without having to necessarily create all new pieces of content. And so, you know, imagine a world where you have a template with five blocks of of dynamic availability, you know, the permutations that you can now generate just on those five blocks allow you to be a lot more personalized than what has happened historically, where you may have to send, you know, one message to the same five people, because that's the only thing that's passed through the process. Um, So it is a little bit more challenging in, in places like financial services or healthcare or life sciences, but you know, we're seeing many of the clients in that in those areas taking a, a global you know, content factory, digital foundry, content foundry approach to, to creating things to create that inventory of personalized content that they can pick and choose from that's been pre-approved through the, the compliance and regulatory process. Yeah, I know I've seen that definitely with media entertainment companies where the number of permutations make it so important to have something like a content factory or something to do this both cost effectively and and at scale. Because once you look at the number of segments and the number of customers that shake out from your segmentation and the favorite characters, favorite franchises, affinities for particular products or services, it starts to just exponentially multiply, right? right. If you have 40, 50 permutations for every single campaign, it just starts to become completely unwieldy and unsustainable without some of these automations. Very true. And and I think the the biggest challenge for organizations around automation is that it does change the way they've done things today. I think everyone conceptually understands that automating will improve efficiency. But the reason why organizations struggle isn't that this stuff is unknowable, but that it feels undoable. And 
like most technology investments, it requires you to go through alignment of processes, change management. I mean, that's typically the iceberg that, that sinks the ship. It's not the technology that breaks the process down, although it's important and it's not always easy to deliver on. It's the getting the organizational alignment, ensuring that team members not only you know, that they believe in the data, right? Not everyone's going to like data, right? And it's, it's just because you don't like it doesn't mean you shouldn't believe it. And ensuring that organizations are aligned to be using that single source of data to make those decisions so that everyone's working off the same playbook, that we're running in an efficient manner, that we're trusting and believing in the data in the process. But I mean, automation is clearly an opportunity for organization to improve from a bottom line perspective. It will have also top line impact, but it does require alignment from both a top down and a bottoms up to ensure that you know, we're not just building a monument to technology, but that we're using it in the appropriate ways and getting the most out of it. I think that's a great point to wrap us up. And I, I want to thank you so much, David. And, you know, thank you for My listening pleasure. to this episode of Embrace Meaningful Personalization to Maximize Growth Conversations. Thanks for having me and appreciate the time. Also, you can read our report at DeloitteDigital.com forward slash US forward slash personalization for even more insights from our research. Thank you and see you next time. This podcast is produced by Deloitte. The views and opinions expressed by podcast speakers and guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Deloitte. This podcast provides general information only and is not intended to constitute advice or services of any kind. For additional information about Deloitte, go to Deloitte.com forward slash about.